Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Full Court with Fisher and Kay. We just wrapped up Thanksgiving weekend. College basketball has begun. We'll be talking to Daryl Reynolds from Villanova a little bit later. But Kara, before we get into it, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was great. Um, You know, got to have mashed potatoes and turkey and all that good stuff. Got to settle in, watch some college basketball games, some football games. I'm a Lions fan, so that (laughs) didn't go great there. Um, They didn't get the win on Thanksgiving, but, you know, it's always fun to have that tradition of them playing anyway. So got to enjoy. How was yours? It was a good Thanksgiving. Um, I'm I'm out in Seattle with my dad, and so I got to sit on the couch and watch college basketball with him for most of the day on Thanksgiving Day, which also was just like, I forgot what it felt like to just sit down and watch back-to-back-to-back basketball. Um, besides, you know, we had a little bit of that with the NBA and WNBA, but I enjoyed getting to have the college basketball version of that. And Let's get right into it, Kara. Top line, top games, and top upsets. Gonzaga had such an impressive showing on so many different fronts. The projected national champion for a lot of people, for myself included. But Kara, what do you think was the most convincing about the Zags that showed that they're the real deal? I mean, I thought both of their um, wins were pretty impressive. They opened up so 102 to 91 over Kansas and then followed that up with a win over Auburn um I think what so that was a ton of balance like they had a couple of players um that were able to have impressive showings including um their freshman Jalen Suggs and then they also had Andrew Nemhart, who was the transfer from Florida was able to get eligible and play um and then they have Drew Timmy averaging just under 27 points over those two games and then Corey Kispert um, right around 24 as well so just a balance they were able to show and it was just f- fun to watch like them kind of get into that flow yeah so for the last couple of months like you said Jenny we hadn't had a true college basketball game so we weren't really sure you know what we were going to get or how much like teams would be able to be in a flow off the bat but um, I thought they were a lot of fun to watch absolutely Jalen Suggs is one of my favorite players to watch this season he's shifty in the way he approaches the game able to get to the rim but he's just he's just really fun to watch as as a first-year player for Gonzaga and he's my second favorite player of the weekend I just wanted to add Ryan Daly who played for St. Joe's they had a really tough game that they put up ended up losing but he just you look at the guy and you don't think that he would be a college basketball player and he absolutely gave Auburn buckets in that game and so that was my favorite player of the weekend but alongside some of those top games and top players there was one of the top upsets, uh, San Francisco beats who were the reigning national champions in 2019, Virginia. And Kara, it's just even an awesome story about how they agreed on that game to even be played. Yeah, so um, CBS Sports had a cool story about how um, they basically 
agree to the game on a layover on their way to Mohegan Sun. Um, obviously, there's been some or there's been tons of schedule changes, um, you know, with teams having to go on pause or, you know, pull out of Mohegan Sun, whatever the case was. So Virginia was scheduled to play Florida. That wasn't going to end up happening. Um, they ended up getting this game with San Francisco, who played Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday. So definitely not easy, but um, they were able to, you know, after losing on Wednesday, come back and get the two wins. So I would say a pretty successful weekend for them overall. Yeah, head coach Tony Bennett said that he doesn't regret scheduling that game, even though it resulted in the eventual loss. And San Francisco is just one of the West Coast Conference teams that is looking impressive. Um, it's looking like a really well-balanced conference. The San Francisco upset of Virginia, Pepperdine going to triple overtime with UCLA. Uh, it's just going to look like a really interesting year in that league. We were talking about how we've missed college basketball over the last couple of months, and we've missed having you know a full slate of games to watch. Um, I can guess we can say that UCLA and Pepperdine also were missing being out on the floor playing, um, you know, because that game did go into triple overtime. Um, kind of a cool note on that was UCLA UCLA's longest game in 35 years, which you know one overtime is always exciting. So going to three I'm not sure that they'll come close to doing that again anytime soon yeah 50 minutes of college basketball is something I'm not complaining about maybe the players are but something that we can all enjoy especially as you noted the longest game in 35 years for that program that's nearing John Wooden era it's not quite there but it's crazy to think it's almost been that long um I do want to touch on some women's college basketball games from those first few days Number one, South Carolina was impressive. Uh, in their first game of the season, they beat Charleston 119 to 38. And then in the top 25 matchup, uh, they beat Gonzaga by seven points. NC State beat NC Central for an interstate rivalry. And then Maryland beat Arkansas in a top 15 matchup. It's just going to be a really exciting year in women's college basketball. Very exciting. And along with that, um, we had a couple of coaches on the women's level get their first wins. We had Neil Ivy at Notre Dame and then Carol Lawson at Duke. Um, both hires, I think, were, um, you know, got the programs really excited in the offseason. Um, I think we've talked about how we love how Duke is calling it the Kara era with Carol Lawson, which I think is just awesome. Um, so it's kind of cool to see, you know, them get those wins and then hopefully carry that excitement into the rest of the season. Absolutely. And one game that I did want to touch on that we can talk about more later, Syracuse beat Stony Brook in Tiana Manga Kahia's debut. She is the player who had just recovered from breast cancer and was able to play this season after sitting out last year. And one final note, UConn women's basketball is in the midst of their COVID protocols. They are on pause, have not been able to play any of their first four games, which includes the Louisville game for the much anticipated matchup of Paige Beckers against Haley Van Lith on December 4th. So we'll have to wait to see them in action, an action-packed first couple days in college basketball. And one person who will be able to comment on a lot of these upsets and what's happening in the first few days is Daryl Reynolds. We have with us Daryl Reynolds, a media personality, a 2016 national champion with Villanova men's basketball and also served on the coaching staff for a season. And honestly, D-Ray, I want to start with Villanova and their first few games of the season. They had plenty of opportunities in the first week alone to show what they're about. 
Boston College was a close game, Arizona State to win the 2K tournament title, and an upset to Virginia Tech. But before we even get to the loss, what impressed you about this Villanova team to start the season? Uh, as usual, it's guard you. So the guards were great. Colin looked great. Uh, everybody was excited to see Caleb. Uh, Justin Moore has gotten so much better, and it was interesting, like, how strong of a freshman year he had to see how he was going to turn out this year. Uh, but most of all, my man, J-Rob, to be honest, he, he's really, like, turned a corner. You know, he was skilled and special with what he did for USA and what he did in high school, but he's uh, – I don't think he's going to be around after this year. You know what I mean? He's really turned a corner and just, like, his decision-making and just, like, the little footwork. He's always had a motor, but you could tell he's starting to really think the game and it's – I think he's going to be one of those people that – he probably going to have a year like Sadiq did last year where it's just, like, he just keeps going up and up and up. Not necessarily with shooting, but just with his play overall. Um, there were a couple of top 10 upsets this week. Villanova was one of them. You kind of touched on <laughs> what went right, you know, over the first couple of games. Um, so what do you think kind of led to the loss against VT? What are the things you could see them, you know, making a couple of fixes on just to continue on some of the strengths that you just mentioned? Uh, to be honest, it was the same thing in the first game they struggled with um, against BC, but uh, it's, the inside presence, not having Damir in there hurts, you know what I mean? Because J-Rob, as good as he is, if he gets in foul trouble, like he did um, in that first game, then you start to see, like, teams just start to take advantage of down low. You know what I mean? They just start throwing the ball inside time and time again. And obviously a hallmark of Villanova has been these smaller guards or these smaller forwards. You go back as far as Randy Foy. They've always been um, – able to deal with taller guys and bigger guys, you know what I mean? Just kind of outsmarting them. But at the same time, there's something to be said about height. And the kid from Virginia Tech, like, that was what happened. You know what I mean? Like, you got these versatile forwards that can kill you inside and out. I feel like that's going to be something they really have to address this year. And like I said, having Damir out, it just hurts. But they're going to figure it out. I, I That's what I have faith in them the most. It's like whatever's thrown at them, they're going to figure out. It's a matter of when. Some other of those upsets, uh, Virginia to San Francisco, Kentucky to Richmond, which really took the college basketball world by surprise. Is this a year where this could be a trend where we see so many, I mean, obviously college basketball fluctuates in and of itself, but especially yeah. in a year like this where so much is unknown, could it be a trend where we see more upsets? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's like, Stay in 2020 with the consistency of just like what the hell moments like when I saw that Virginia one I was like geez like this is the perfect start to the college season especially for this year but even last year there was several games that you kind of saw that was shaky or several teams you thought were going to be something and by the end of it they kind of fizzled out so I think the surprises are going to be good and to be honest it's great for college basketball man like Let's call it what it is. Like, nobody likes to see the same people winning over and over and over again because then it's not really interesting or entertaining. It's just – it's kind of predictable. So to see these different teams or these smaller teams take out these Giants, like, obviously, as a guy who played for one of the Giants at this point, I don't necessarily want that constantly. But it makes things that much more exciting for, for us and the media, for the fans. And it, it keeps those bigger teams on their toes. You know what I mean? So you're talking about these giants. Is it going to be another giant that wins the national championship? Uh, or is it going to be someone like Gonzaga, who isn't maybe a historical big name school, but has really made a name for themselves in recent history? 
Man, you know who I'm pulling for. <laughs> you know, and when I say, listen, when I say Giants, I don't mean the level of the school or, or like the attendance rate. I mean, like the teams that are known to be at the top of it, like in Villanova in recent years has moved to that. The Kentuckys, the Dukes, um, you know, there's so many teams, the Michigan, you know, what I mean? that's when I say Giants, the teams that you immediately associate with college basketball. And like I said, y'all know who I'm pulling for this year. Even though Sadiq left, I still feel like they have a mob over there. And it's so much better to get. And the guys who are seniors now were freshmen on that national championship team back in 2018. So I got them to win. Uh, but just the energy of this year, it, it could be somebody different. And that would be exciting. That would be exciting. But you know who I'm pulling for. You talked about having – some of that experience on the team from the national yeah. championship season. Um, how do you think that will play into the whole, the season as a whole and having a coach like Jay Wright, who has won two national championships, um, knows what it takes to win at a high level and during a year when there is like scheduling changes and uncertainty um, and just yeah. a lot going on. I think it plays right into their favor. You know what I mean? I, I think it plays right into their favor. Uh, so much of it, as y'all know, is just how can you adjust? All right, one guy's injured, who's the next person up? Uh, you know, one girl goes down in her shooting slump, somebody else is starting to raise up and do something else. Like college basketball as a whole, and sports in general, but especially college basketball with just the unexpectancy of certain things, rather be eligibility or injuries or anything like that, is a matter of who can adjust the fastest. And you can't buy experience in that. So experienced teams at this point have an advantage of just constantly figuring it out, constantly turning over, constantly looking to the next person to step up, constantly making a, a change or um, uh, in the way that they play or approach games on offense or defense that is always going to – I'm sorry, you can't buy experience. You know what I mean? I hate to ramble on it, but I feel like a year like this where so many things are just shaky and, and unsettled, having that ability to say, all right, we've been in a situation like this before, or we know this feeling of uneasiness before we go into a game, how do you go into it and still win? It's going to like, I think that's what's going to separate a lot of teams this year. And not having crowds too, to be honest. Uh, I feel like experienced coaches kind of preach the idea of not focusing on the crowd as much and not being as involved with the crowd as much because that fluctuates. And in a year where there's virtually no crowd, I feel like that plays into teams' hands like that a lot more. One of the leagues where experience matters almost more than anything else is the Big East Conference. And over half the programs had to come to a pause at one point or another due to COVID protocols yeah. over about the past month. But the league still opened up going 14-1. and one. And prior to conference play beginning, what is your outlook for the Big East? I... It, I hate to say this, but I feel like the Big East is anybody's league. Um, you know what I mean? Like I said, obviously I'm a Nova guy through and through, but just as a fan of the Big East, you see what Providence is doing. UConn being back changes things. Um, St. John's has this way in recent years of not – you can't sleep on them. Seton Hall losing Miles Powell hurt a ton, but they still have potential and everybody that they have. Like, I think it's anybody's year. Um I think it's interesting when you remove the fans, because I'm going to call it what it is. Certain teams see the feed off of that a little bit more. So I'm happy to know there's one of them. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it's anybody's league. Obviously, there's some teams that, you know, if they were to win, it would shock everybody. Um, but for the most part, that, that top, I'm going to call it that top five in the Big East. Are like, I could all see going far in the tournament, but I could all see winning too. 
I was waiting for you to mention Marquette in that top five, but yeah, no, I, I didn't on purpose just to, you know what I mean, just to kind of mess with you. But Marquette, Marquette is good. Marquette is good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there are um, a couple conferences around the league that you know, like you said, could kind of be anybody's league. Like they'll be top teams. One of those teams, Iowa, in the Big Ten, and they have been definitely paced by their big man, Luca Garza, through the first couple games. He's had a couple of dominating performances. Um, as a former big man yourself, what do you think about Luca's performances, and what do you think about him being able to lead the Iowa team through the Big Ten? I think it's going to be interesting the era that's so guard-oriented uh, for a big man to do that. It's, I think the last time that I kind of saw, like, you saw that dominance from a big man in the team kind of um, – shaped their game around them was Jalil Okafor with that Duke team back in, I think it was 2015 when they won. Uh, but I like them. I like them. And to me, so much of big man, you could talk about, you know, athleticism or the ability to stretch the floor, but so much of playing in there nowadays is decision-making. And I think that's what separates him. You know what I mean? That knowing when to go for the shot or knowing when to pass it out. You know what I mean? And you can have my dominant on the offensive side, obviously. We know that. We've seen that. But I think it's very underrated, that kid's decision-making, the ability to just be like, ah, this ain't the time. You know what I mean? And get it to somebody else. And obviously they got a mob, but like I said, I always got to bring it back. You know who I'm rooting for. And um, if I had to say anything, that matchup kind of scares me as a Nova fan because of how dominant that big guy is. Like I said, they're definitely going to struggle on the inside. But hats off to him. I don't want to. I don't want to go too hard on Nova. Hats off to him. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he scared me just a little bit. See, this is where you're lucky because I feel like I'm always pulling for Marquette, but it's more like hopeful. It Like it can't be backed up by much. Um, okay. For now, for now. But you <laughs> exactly. have the luxury of being able to pull for a team that's also really good year in and year out. Um, <laughs> but one thing I did want to ask about, at the larger basketball level up right now, yeah. we have workouts starting for NBA teams, training camps, yeah. I should say, things like that. Um, how do you think, obviously, again, a different year in the NBA world and how all of that is functioning. Yeah. Uh, how do you think it's going to match up with, with college basketball happening at the same time and where some of these guys in college basketball could go down the road? I feel like it's just a really influx time, uh, even at the next level. Mm -hmm. And so for, for teams to kind of whittle down, I know that you're a guy who's even, you know, gone through that process yourself and, and done mm -hmm. workouts and whatever. Um, how do you think it was different this year for the guys that either went drafted or undrafted? And how is it going to look, you know, once this college basketball season wraps up at the NBA level? I think it's going to be weird because a lot of the kids who are, I mean, everybody's getting back to it way faster than they thought they would. Like when that December 22nd date hit, like you heard several guys express they didn't like it. But you got to think about it. Like these kids were drafted a month ago. You know what I mean? It's like for them to jump into games that fast, not having summer league, not having time with an extensive training camp that's four weeks in September, which is a month before the season usually starts. Like it's going to be – It's. I feel like it's going to look kind of goofy at first. I, I got to be honest. I feel like it's going to look like a bunch of guys trying to uh, shake off the cobwebs. But around the time that the um, college season is wrapping up, I feel like the NBA will kind of hit its stride. And that is obviously – that's saying everything goes as planned and there is a March Madness, which – I don't know if it's going to, I mean, y'all know, I see y'all know more than me. I don't know if it's going to turn into a May madness or it's going to spill more into April or anything like that. But if college basketball wraps up around that general time, 
I feel like that's where we'll see a lot of NBA teams kind of catching their stride and, and getting used to um, these conditions, man. Because like I said, everybody's playing on shaky ground. Nobody really knows what's going on. Everybody's trying to figure out as they go. And that's when I said experience is just it, – it, it helps. I think that's why the Lakers just won a championship. You know what I mean? To call it what it is. It's that experience of knowing, all right, I've been here before. How do I make it past this point? Yeah, you touched on, you know, at the pro level, kind of what could happen, um, teams moving up and down, some of the more consistent teams being those with experience. Um, yeah. Looking, you know, ahead to this week, in college basketball, we don't have a new poll yet at the time of recording, but where do you see some of the teams maybe moving up and down after only the first week? Um, you don't have to give us, like, a top ten or anything, but just, you know, a team that maybe is rising or maybe a couple that are falling. <sighs> I got to be honest, um, I didn't watch everybody who lost. I know those big upsets. All those teams are not going to end up out of the top ten. I'm going to call it what it is. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, and I hate that. I don't, I don't want to skirt around your answer. I'm not trying to. But I just – I got to I gotta be honest. I'm not educated enough. I didn't even look at the top 25, like, last week to really see who was where. It was certain names that jumped out to me, obviously, the ones I was looking for. But um, – I think this year, like last year, is going to be something where it's constantly like every week. Remember last year was like, yo, it feels like every week somebody's in the, the number one spot. Like every, nobody's going to, there's not going to be a consistent run of just dominance through and throughout, which is good and exciting. Um, but I feel like it's going to be a lot like last year where it's just, it's very volatile in how much things jump around um, to who's in the top five. But none of that amount. None of that matters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 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 where you at at the end. You know what I mean? It's it does think about it. Think about how every year, every it's like the same thing in the NBA. Those first 82 games in college basketball, it's the first 30 or whatever. Everybody salivates over that. And then the first week of the tournament, a couple of them are already out. But um, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a, a volatile top 25 this year, and nobody's well, really just gonna hold it. Here's my question but, for you. D what's up? Does it? Does it matter more in a year like this where you have so few chances in like non ah. Like John Calipari is out here saying like, hey, like we're in a slump now, but you know what? We're going to look really good in March. Yeah. How can you promise that when you have almost fewer opportunities, um, sometimes against not as high of competition that you're yeah. used to? It could end up implicating, you know, seeding in the bracket. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. I didn't think of that. It makes it, it makes the stakes a little bit higher like football. You know what I mean? That's why people love the NFL. These guys got 16 times, 16 times to get this right in the season. They don't have a, a long stretch of time, so everything is a little more important. Like, you see how many games have been canceled and rescheduled. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This year is definitely a year where it's more important. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it's like, all right, if you, if you put all your time and energy into that, when you get to the end of it, uh, the quote-unquote playoffs, you know, the NCAA tournament, then it's like, what did that really matter? But in a year where it might get called early or, um, you know, you, you had a schedule of X amount of games and four or five of them got knocked off because of COVID, it takes on a different level of intensity. And as a fan, I'm happy about that. Because what we love about college basketball is how intense these kids play, how hard they go because they don't have 82 games to, to prove it. You know what I mean? They only have 30. For some of them in lesser programs, they know they only have 20-something to really prove themselves at the next level or for the next level. So I feel like it's just only going to add to the intensity of the season. You've gotten to play in a final four. You've mm -hmm. won a final four. You've won a national championship. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, you know, the NCAA saying that they're going to have a controlled environment for March Madness and then, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately the final four? Um, 
I mean, it is kind of fun when you get to move around the country and you're going to different places that just yeah. won't be part of what it is this year, but your thoughts on how that will be in like the different structure we're going to have. I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I got to be honest. Part of me is worried um, because I, you don't want it to get stagnant. And, and, and let's, you know, I know mental health has turned into a buzzword at this point, but that, staying in a bubble with somewhere that you're not comfortable with it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of these kids deal with it on the emotional level and how that trickles onto the court um it could help it in the sense of when they get on the court they're just that much more locked in and focused like i was telling somebody i feel like that's what happened with that miami team they had no distractions so they were just miami heat sorry um they were down there in the bubble and it was just like we're just locked in there's nothing to distract us so for some people that that turns into a positive, but uh, I gotta be honest, part of me is worried about it being controlled and in one place, how it affects the, the play of the game. Um, and it is to jump around. I mean, it is fun to jump around and go to different places, but I think at this point, a lot of those kids are like, if we have a tournament, we're good. You know what I mean? If we get a chance to play for a national title, we're good. If I have a chance to go to the final four, we're good. And once they get there, the teams that can stay focused throughout that, I feel like it's going to make for amazing games when the tournament comes. I'm not going to say if. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're not missing a tournament this year. It's just a matter of when it happens and um, how spread out the games are. But those kids are going to go hard come time for tournaments. I like that you're saying it's going to happen because I think the general consensus is people want to be hopeful that it's going to happen. Got it to. takes me back to being at MSG for the Big East tournament where like these games are going to happen. Like they're not <laughs> going to cancel March Madness. Um, yeah. Why are you so confident that, that it'll happen? Because this is the second time around. You know what I mean? The first time around, let's call it what it is. Jenna, you remember like we were up there we're getting update after update after update, hour after hour. And it's like the news is developing. It was the blind leading the blind. Nobody really knew what was going on. So it's like everybody just make your decision based off your gut. But this upcoming year, um, not only do we have a better understanding of COVID and how it affects us and what the protocols are, but it's been done. The TBT did a basketball bubble. The NBA did a basketball bubble. Uh, the WNBA did a basketball bubble. So we've seen this system work. And then you have these you know, football teams that are traveling and stuff like that. So I feel like it's like anything else with humans. You know what I mean? We, as we go along and figure things out, it just makes it that much easier. Um, and to call it what it is, I, I just feel like between the fans pulling uh, for uh, March Madness and the um, the powers that be that, that make it happen and, and, and partake in that and make it such a, a big event are going to make sure that everybody's precautious enough and everybody takes the right um, heed to what they have to to make sure that this tournament happens. So it's going to be, don't get me wrong, it's not going to look the same. I feel like it's going to be very tense because every second we're going to be holding our breath that somebody doesn't have it or something doesn't happen. But just like the NBA, you see, they made it through that. The WNBA, they made it through that. You know what I mean? They just had to be careful. It is a business. The business has to keep their lights on in okay. some way. Got to make their money. And one right. of the, the companies, a Fortune 500 company, if you will, <laughs> Villanova Men's, that, that's what John Rothstein called it. I mean, he's been putting it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then when Virginia Tech upsets them, they said, looks like there might have been a stock market crash. Um, yeah. Is Villanova basketball a Fortune 500 company? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm laughing because of like, I I heard that when I was in college when I first thought like I first got introduced to John Rothstein, you know, and I saw that he was, uh, that he kept saying that. He kept tweeting and he tweeted with a period at the end. Like he really wanted you like, 
Villa was a fortune for Hardy Country, period. You know what I mean? He would say it about different teams. I'm like, I, I like that. I like that. But uh, I think what he's getting at is true. You, you have these systems that after a while, and it is, I really want to attest this to Coach Wright, you know what I mean, and his staff's resiliency, because it hasn't always been like this. You know what I mean? I think people look at these past couple of years, and it's like it was a ton of work that was put in before that. I'm saying before us, too. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that we started anything, but um, it was a ton of work that was put into it, and now they have a kind of system that they, they put guys into, and they put the right guys into it, and it works. So in that sense, it is a, a Fortune 5 country, uh, company because it, it runs itself. But that line is so cheesy to me. I'm sorry. I just got it. It's, it works, though. You like it? It does. Well. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's just like, uh, you know what I mean? It kind of goes with the brand. I'll agree. I mean, it does. You can't you can't argue experience. You can't argue Fortune 500 company for Villanova. So, D. Ray, appreciate you making the time. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your week. Getting into December, more college basketball play, and whatever you have going on in your world. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. A big thank you to Daryl Reynolds for joining us and talking about the first few days of college basketball. But now we have the first full week of college basketball to look forward to. Carol, what do we have going on? We do have um, a lot of exciting games coming up. We have the Champions Classic, which will be on Tuesday night, normally in one location this year, um, spread out. Michigan State will be at Duke at Cameron Indoor, and then Kansas and Kentucky will be in Indianapolis. Um, also have the Jimmy V Classic, which features West Virginia versus Gonzaga. Um, and Illinois versus Baylor. So a couple of top five teams right there um, playing. And then the Maui Invitational, which this year will be held in Asheville, um, but still is branded Maui Invitational. Um, a bunch of games coming up um, featuring Texas Davidson, Indiana Providence, UNC UNLV, and then Stanford and Alabama. So it'll be exciting to see how that bracket shakes out, some of the matchups we could end up getting there. And I know on the women's side, we also have some exciting games this week, Jenny. Yes, absolutely. NC State versus South Carolina on Thursday. And will the Wolfpack be able to keep it up, I think, is the main storyline there uh, against a team that, again, is number one in the country and really showed for it over this past week in their opening games. One last thing I did want to touch on, Charlie Collier from Texas, who is a projected number one pick in the WNBA draft. Although that is far away, the WNBA draft lottery is coming up this upcoming Friday, December 4th. And so to, to find out who could get that number one pick, I believe Charlie Collier could be the person uh, that lands in that spot. She added in 44 points and 16 rebounds, the fourth highest scoring game in Texas women's basketball history. And one other showing, Taylor Makasell from Oregon, I talked about her with Kelly Graves a couple weeks ago. She went eight for 10 from three in her debut at Oregon after transferring from Maryland. Eight for 10 from three. Yes, that is true. Oregon scored over 115 points. Yes, Oregon scored over 115 points. Uh, it, it's absolutely crazy to me. And then lastly, the Tiana Mankakahia story from Syracuse. I know we touched on it earlier, but just to elaborate a little bit more, it was her first time playing for Syracuse after her breast cancer diagnosis over a year ago. I got to sit down and talk to her and interview her during that time. And it was one of probably the biggest stories I was able to do at the NCAA. We started out our road trip at Syracuse 
and she was one of the first five people that I interviewed and I full well knew that it was going to be our biggest story of that time. And at the time that I had interviewed her, she was about halfway through her chemotherapy. She was bald and she was talking about what that whole experience has been like, because this is a girl who, excuse me, this is a woman who really cares about the game of basketball and being able to be out on the floor and play. I ended up re-watching the video that uh, we worked on for her and one of her teammates, I had forgotten this quote that I loved that I edited and produced and put in that she basically said, look, like she just, I think the saddest part for her was she just wanted to be back on the floor. Like when you're injured as an athlete or whatever it may be, taking away the game you love is the hardest part. And so I kind of took the angle during that story of getting back to basketball rather than having breast cancer, because I felt like it was like there was this constant light at the end of the tunnel. And the way Tiana talked about it was that she would be back on the floor and that she wants to be the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft. Um, I actually did a follow-up interview with her the last time that there was a WNBA draft. We took a break in the middle of the draft to talk to each other. And she just told me about how excited she was to be back playing and, and practicing a bit. And then she dropped 16 points, seven rebounds and had three assists. And I just think she's a really, really special person that I, I think a lot of times these kind of people get plugged into categories of, oh, they're just so inspirational, but it's like, she's so much more than that. Uh, physically and mentally just overcomes so much. And so I think Tiana's story is one of just a person who kept showing up and kept, you know, doing what they loved and, and was able to accomplish something so huge. I know for you, keep showing up is a phrase you like to use, um, you know, as it relates to a wide variety of things in life. Um, and during this time, you know, college basketball is going on. It's also the holiday season, which is very exciting things, but also could be a hard time for people um, for a lot of different reasons, including, you know, everything going on with COVID. Um, Jenny, could you touch on what you're doing with the t-shirts you made that say keep showing up, the money you've been able to raise and kind of why you've been doing that and why right now too. Yeah, well, first I have to give the nod to you because Kara was the first person to buy a shirt from me. And I know it's just a t-shirt and I know that words don't save the world either, but it is something that I think really represents the way that I live my life and that I try to live my life at least. And I'll kind of give the why before I get into the, the how and the what. So it's coming up this week on the 10 year anniversary since my mom has passed and uh, on December 2nd will be the day. And it's something that you know has shaped me into who I am. It's something that I think about often too as well, just my mom was a college basketball player and you know the resources and the ability to know that you're not alone, I think now, as college athletes or even people who work within collegiate athletics is super important. Um, and it's again, mental health advocacy, suicide prevention awareness, two things I'm really big on because of my personal experience, but also beyond that, um, I wanna make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else ever again. And so back in September, uh, which was suicide prevention awareness month, I came up with the idea to put, you know, keep showing up onto these t-shirts. I say it to people all the time and I felt like this was a way to rally people, make sure all the funds, the proceeds go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, who I've raised money for doing walks and such in before. And this year 
I, I haven't looked at the final numbers because quite honestly, it's still open. Um, people are still able to purchase shirts if they so choose. But uh, I know for a fact over $15,000 have been raised, over a thousand shirts have been sold. Um, it's, it's just been really cool. I mean, a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And I had someone message me the other day that they want like their girls high school basketball team players to wear them in warmups for one game. It's things like that that you just don't even expect. Um, yeah, and it's just, it, it grew a lot larger than I ever expected. I, I told someone like I expected to sell maybe like 50 shirts and I threw it on Twitter. And I was like, if I sell 50 shirts, they're $15, $5 to make, $5 to ship, $5 goes to American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And now it's it's just gotten so much bigger than that. And I, I just really wanna thank the people for, for supporting it. Again, I know that t-shirts, don't change the world. I know that it's just three simple words, but I honestly think that keep showing up can apply to anyone in whatever way. I've had people stop me on the street and be like, oh, is that like a workout motivational shirt? And I'm like, you know, it can be if you want, but this is where the money and the proceeds all went. Um, again, just during a tough week, I think even the reminder for me that, you know, to keep showing up and I'll say the whole phrase too, just so that if people are wondering where that kind of came from, uh, there's a runner named Desi Linden and she had this one quote, obviously keep showing up is just kind of a mantra that you hear around. She kind of expanded on it in a way that I really attached myself to, but basically she said, some days it'll feel like you're trudging through hell. Other days it'll feel like you're born to do this no matter what. You keep showing up, you give it your best shot and you see what you can do. And I've, again, just... For anyone who may be, you know, having a rough time during these COVID times of isolation or the holidays, like you mentioned, um, like people are saying that this world could look a lot worse with COVID and everything going on. But I think my reminder today and always will be, you know what, just keep showing up. I love that. And I think, like you said, kind of the beauty of it is that it can apply in a lot of different ways. Um, the overarching message I think resonates with a lot of people, but I think what you're doing and what you've done um, to not only bring awareness, but also to just get people talking and have these conversations with their friends, with their family members, um, with people who stop them on the street maybe and ask them what their shirt means, I think um, has been really awesome to see. And I know that you know, it's very important to you, it's become very important to me. And like you said, like just an important message for everyone during this time. And then hopefully to, you know, remind themselves of every time that they wear the shirt or they see someone else wearing it too. And I will add that if people are interested in purchasing the shirt, not trying to throw it at you, this, like I mentioned, all proceeds go to AFSP, but the link is in my bio on Twitter. Um, you can find it there. That's probably the easiest way. It's a long URL. So best to just head there. Um, but with that being said, I hope that you keep showing up and listening to our podcast. Another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kay is in the books. Thanks to Daryl Reynolds for spending some time with us. And thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip edits the show and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out other Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, 
download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.